Now, when Jesus came into that district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the gospel of the Lord. We've all heard that actions speak louder than words, that talk is cheap, we should put our money where our mouth is. Put our, yes. <laughs> Wanted to make sure. But that doesn't seem to be the case for Jesus. Here are these 12 men, these disciples, who for the last year or two have followed him everywhere he has gone done whatever he has said to do, listened to whatever he has had to say. They've left their jobs, their families. They've put off whatever hopes and dreams they had for their own life. And yet Jesus still feels the need to ask them, who do you say that I am? I'd say that by their actions, the disciples made it pretty clear who they think Jesus is. So what's behind this question? Was it some sort of litmus test or pop quiz? One where if the disciples answered right, Jesus will give them a privileged spot next to him in heaven? Or maybe if they said the right words, Jesus would love them more than he already does. That, that doesn't seem quite right. Seems kind of silly, actually. Jesus had already chosen them, invited them to walk along with him, to learn from him. He already loved them. None of that was dependent on the disciples saying the exact right words or praying the right prayer. Maybe, like in any sport or job or anything that you want to be good at, this question was practice, a training session. After all, there would be a time where the disciples would no longer have Jesus by their side. And so perhaps it was preparation for the day when someone would say, who is this Jesus? And they could no longer point to him and say, well, see for yourself. Granted, just a couple of chapters ago, the disciples said to Jesus, truly, you are the Son of God. So why ask again? I would say maybe that was 
after Jesus had calmed the storm that the disciples thought might take their life. And just like there are no atheists in foxholes, it's easy to profess faith after your life has been saved. But Lord knows it won't always be that easy. So if it's training, if it's a practice session, I would say that the location for this is no accident. Caesarea Caesarea Philippi was one of the most beautiful towns and luxurious in all of Judea. Mount Hermon towered above the city to the northeast, giving the whole city a a mountainous view. During Jesus' time, the city grew and controlled all the areas around it. It was a center for the Roman Empire. It was a pagan city. Temples dedicated to Caesar Augustus. And before that, it was a site for worship to to Baal. It bears the name of both Caesar, after Caesar Tiberius, the current Roman emperor, and Philip, the current governor of the area. Now stay with me, that part's important. Philip also happens to be the son of Herod the Great. It was Herod the Great who plotted to kill Jesus as an infant, taking the lives of children in and around Bethlehem. Maybe when Jesus was old enough, Mary and Joseph sat Jesus down and told him why they were refugees who fled to Egypt and finally landed in Nazareth. Maybe they told him how even as a baby, he was a threat to the Roman Empire. Maybe they told him to be careful, to avoid Roman city centers, because it was dangerous. Well, apparently Jesus didn't listen so well, because of all places, he chose a rather dangerous one to test not only the disciples' courage, but more importantly, their allegiance and their understanding which is what makes Peter's answer an astounding profession. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Messiah meant Jesus was the anointed one, the one that they had waited a long, long time for, the one that would redeem and restore Israel to her former glory, toppling the Roman government, adding fuel to the fire, Caesar, was also known as the Son of God. Peter's incendiary declaration is in direct opposition to all of the Roman Empire. Jesus is the anointed king, the true Son of God, not Caesar, not Herod, not Philip. Talk about courage and allegiance. But Peter's answer isn't quite right. Or at least how Peter understands Messiah and Son of God is different than what Jesus himself understands. And that's made abundantly clear next week. It's okay, though, that Peter doesn't have a perfect understanding of Jesus. 
Jesus still rejoices at the first step, at this courage, at the allegiance with which Peter answers and promises to make him the foundation of the church. When's the last time someone asked you this same question? Who is Jesus to you? What'd you say? How did you answer? Or more likely, how would you answer? My guess is that you can't remember the last time someone asked you this question, if you've ever been asked it before. And yet it's one that we all have to answer. The question behind the question for us, though, might be, why are you here? Sunday after Sunday, why do you gather in this place? You say these words, we sing these songs. Why do we eat this same bread and wine week after week? Why do you follow a peasant from Galilee? It's one of the most vital questions for us as Christians. Not because our answer needs to be perfect or our understanding of Jesus needs to be flawless. God's love for you is not dependent on saying the exact right words or praying a certain prayer or knowing everything there is to know about the Bible or Jesus. That's not what it's about. Like the disciples, you and I are already called, already loved by God, already invited into this life of discipleship. No matter what you say or don't say, no matter what you do or don't do, nothing will take that away. Peter certainly didn't have it all right. He rebuked Jesus for what he said about being the Messiah. He abandoned Jesus at the time he needed him most. And yet God still uses him, of all people, to be the foundation of the church. The question is vital because how we answer, who do you say that I am, says an awful lot about how we will live our lives. How we respond to the grace that is freely given to us. And a culture that pines for your attention telling you that there are innumerable things more important than being a part of a community of faith. Your job, sports, money, comfort, school, whatever it may be. Do we have the courage to say in word and deed that because Jesus is the love and grace that sustains me, following him and growing in faith are paramount for me and my family? In a country ripe with political divide and resentment, will we in word and deed proclaim Jesus rules and reigns over every power? And he belongs to no political party. And that as his followers, our allegiance is first and foremost to him. So many pastors or people or organizations or denominations, they will try and answer this question for you. And even in a world where all the information you could ever want 
is at the touch of your fingertips. No one can answer this question for you. Not Google, not YouTube, not even ChatGPT, if you know what that is. You and I have to have our own answer for who is Jesus to me. So consider this your training, your invitation to practice. Right here, this place is where we work with one another to grow in understanding. It's here that we discern who Jesus is for us today in this community. And we need to practice because the world needs an answer. So remember, actions speak louder than words. Talk is cheap, so let's put our money where our mouth is and profess who Jesus is not only with our words, but by the actions of our lives. Amen.